God bless you, church. You may be seated. Thanks, music team. Um, that song at the moment is my number one favourite song. Um, we drove, well, I drove across the Hay Plain by myself a few weeks ago um, to meet Julie in Canberra, and uh, I like to listen to. I've told this probably before. I've got a endless selection of Apple Music tuned into what I would call modern jazz. I like just instrumental music, no words. I get really uptight listening to songs with lyrics, mostly in the car. Um, particularly Christian music seems to get me a little bit twitchy. I'm not sure why that is, so I opt to not listen to it in the car. It might be the wrestle between the dark and the light, the light of the lyrics of Jesus and the darkness of my attitude to morons on the road, but <laughs> just being transparent. Um, so I have a bit of a wrestle, so I, I opt to not listen to Jesus chastising me. Um, I digress. Anyway, I decided, I don't know, I, was, I think we just got down past Callington on the way in early part of the day, and I thought, ah, oh, no, I might put something on. It's just going to encourage my spirit as I head off on a, lo a long day of driving by myself, and so I put that song on, I speak Jesus, and I just found myself... <coughs> Um, almost uncontrollably, but not uh, bawling my eyes out. I was just crying about the fact that his name, just his name, not just him, but his name has power. My name's Bruce. It's like, it, it sort of, there's lots of meanings about it. And, I, and you can say, I, I know Bruce. But my name doesn't change too much. But his, his name does. His name's got a supernatural, got a supernatural, incredible capacity beyond our wildest dreams to change things. I don't know what this has got to do with my message, but I just happened to, I've spoken about this before, I looked up. You know when you're standing, like you're sitting dead still at the moment, if we just turned the lights out and we just sat here in the quiet, it would be completely still. Not a, not a, not a breath of air, it's just... But you, you do understand that no matter what part of your life, before you were born, when you were conceived, while you are in the womb, when you were born, all through your life, and when you're placed in a grave in the ground, that bit of you that's the dust, has from the start to the finish and beyond been doing 107,000 kilometres per hour every moment. 107,000 kilometres per hour is the speed of the Earth rotating around the sun. A bullet fired out of one of the biggest guns on the planet maxes out about 3,500 kilometres per hour. So think, you know, about 30 times the speed of the fastest bullet on the planet. You and I have been hanging around the sun at that speed ever since, ever since. So if you're thinking life's boring, just think about the fact, man, I'm going like a bat out of you know where. <laughs> I'm on the move. I'm on the move, baby. I'm not stationary. I'm not stuck. I'm not anything. I'm on the move on a planet that God made and he says, go for it. And all I've got to do is just sit down and do nothing. His name is power. His name is healing. His name is life. Today we're going to look at Jesus being the light of the world and just have a few thoughts around that. I want to start where I often start, Genesis chapter 1. If, if, if that, that book of the Bible, the first book of the Bible, 
is a book that needs to be. This is a pastor of a long tenure, pastor and Christian pastor and Christian saying to you, and if you're listening online, this is just some advice. Meditate on Genesis chapter 1. Not to see if you can convert someone from an evolutionist to a creationist or a hybrid thereof. It's not about trying to get a head around the what and the, the how come. and To get a head around who. Who actually is up to what. And God started things. And today, God wants to start things. He's not in the business of going, oh, I did that once. I'm finished with that creating stuff. He's in the midst of your life right now. You might be able to say this of your own circumstance this morning in the beginning. On the 20th, is it 21st today? 21st of August, 2022. Let's just put a line in the sand and say that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's interesting that the heavens and the earth are in place. But it says, now the earth was formless and empty and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. That might describe in an analogous way how you feel about your life at the moment. Formless, pointless, void, maybe dark, maybe not all of your life, but maybe there's an area of your life that just doesn't make any sense to you. And the Bible is clear that there was a day when, at the beginning, God acted. And I don't think God's, as I said, hung up the work boots and said, I'm out of here, going to leave you to it. There's a um, theological term for that which escapes me at the moment, about basically about God just set everything in motion and then racked off to the other side of the universe to come back one day. He's not that kind of God. Bette Midler used to sing that song, he's watching us from a distance. No, he's not. God's right in the middle of your world and he wants to be. He doesn't invade your space, but he's waiting to be able to speak over your life, the next verse. So maybe, just maybe this morning, you're sitting in a, a messy part of your world. Maybe not all of us a mess, but just maybe part of it, you go, I wish I could just get over that. I wish I could get past that. Why hasn't that sorted itself out yet? What's going on? And then verse 3. And God said, that's a good day. That's a good day when God speaks a change into your life. He speaks a change into your circumstance. So the earth was formless and void. But God said, let there be light. And there was light. Now this is where it gets a little tricky for us as Christians. Because we have this potential to misunderstand what's going on here. The light that's talked about here, this is a question I'm not going to, well I'm going to answer it but I'm going to leave it hanging as well. Is that light that he created, Jesus? Do we believe that? Right answer to that question is no. Okay, just heads up. We're Trinitarian, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's always been God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. So this light that God created is not Jesus. Just want to get that clear. Okay, he didn't create Jesus. There was a lot of controversy back in the early church life, back on talking in the first, second century of the church's existence, where there was schisms between the brothers and sisters, mainly the brothers back in that era, about whether Jesus was divine or not and whether he was a created being like us. 
and we landed as Western, our Western theological framework is that Jesus wasn't created. Jesus is God and Jesus always was God. And so John, when he wrote the book of John, starts off from that point of view. But in our hands, we, want to, we get things mixed up. So I want to say to you, when you read Genesis chapter 1, and God said, let there be light. He wasn't making Jesus, first and foremost, but he was making light. Say light. 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 Everything about our world revolves around light, doesn't it? And particularly sunlight. I was thinking about that. You know when the people put up pictures comparing the size of the earth as a sphere in two dimensions to the size of the sun? And you go, oh, man, we're so, such a little tiny, like a little, little pinprick on the page and the sun's this big and it's like not even a part of my fingernail is the size of the earth. And that's like, that's a wow factor in itself. But when you think about it, the little pinprick called earth and the half of it that's facing the sun at any given time is copping a fair bit of energy, right? In fact, we're pretty smart. We've developed solar, solar power and, oh man, we are so, so clever. Um, <laughs> so clever. <laughs> but you think about the amount of energy that's coming to planet Earth, this little speck that's going around the sun at 107,000 kilometres per hour. And no matter where we go around that journey around the sun, we're still copping energy. But that's just this little tiny... Think about the fact that the sun's been putting that energy out in every direction ever since God said, let there be light. It's mind-blowing how much compared to what we get when you think about it, I couldn't even do the calculation, but you, if you calculate the surface area of the sphere on the diameter of our trajectory around the sun and then work out the two-dimensional of what the earth is and you go, unbelievable. I don't know what the ratio would be, but God's kind of, in my view, a little bit of overkill. Yeah. You know, the sun's kind of overkill because we only go around in one path like this we're not doing this. We're just... Just what? Why don't you just make a flat disc? Or just something a little, a little less in your face. But he didn't. Because he's big. Think about maybe God's answer to your prayer doesn't appear to be the right answer, but let's just think about your prayer being the earth and his answer being the sun. It's like... Hmm, what answer do I want? Oh, I just want my little answer, God. Please just do this for me. And he's got a son. Not S-O-N son, but S-U-N son. He's got a son size answer. But I don't want that. I just want my little. In the beginning, John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, funny, John follows the same narrative style as the writer of the first book of Genesis. So, first chapter of Genesis. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There you go, John making no qualms about it. It wasn't like at the beginning, there was the Word. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that had been, has been made. In him was life. Say life. life. So, people that don't know Jesus are dead men and women walking. They just don't know it. They've actually got life in them because of him. But without him, there's another dimension of life. As again, that's the one I used to use my earth and sun analogy. It's like God wants you to live with a sun-sized 
energy pack in your life, not an earth-sized. Like that's what's kind of, as a comparison, like just trying to let your head get around the fact that God's resources are always going to be way beyond what you can ask or imagine. He wants you to get, me to get, a picture of that that lifts us out of feeling, oh, I can't do this, or it's all too hard, or how's this going to happen? God's got it, if you ask me. So in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about that light or concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. There's a sense in which I think it's important, as I said earlier on, to separate our thinking about the light that God created and the fact that Jesus is also referred to as light. And then later on, God is referred to, we'll read that in 1 John, it says that God is light and in him there is no darkness. So it seems a little strange to then read God saying, let there be light. It clearly is the physical light that we actually see, I think referred to in Genesis. The light that God is, is maybe, this is just me thinking and pondering and having a little bit of play with my head, that his light is like on the spectrum that you and I cannot perceive. Parts of it we can, but there's a lot of light that we don't see. Our eyes are just being made to see a particular spectrum, bandwidth of the light spectrum, but there's a whole lot down that end. What is it? The ultraviolet, that end, and infrared, the other, and everything in between. Are we having a physics lesson here? Any physicists or scientists is like, I don't know. You can just tell me that. But anyway, I'm just... I'm doing okay. Thanks, Murray, for the encouragement. There's from, from a science mind... Julie Sampson hasn't said anything yet. She's just gone quiet. No, <laughs> haven't gone into the maths area yet, have I? <laughs> so what have I got to say about all this? Um, John's Gospel presents another view of Jesus and although he tells the same stories as the other synoptic Gospels of what he did, John spends a lot more time trying to spell out who he is. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the one who can change your life. He's not just another prophet. He's not just another smart person. He's not just, in fact, he was pretty dumb because he, in that sense of the word, if you want to look at him as, as his decisions, he actually plotted a course where he just deliberately upset the powers that be to the point of them actually killing him. I mean, that's not a smart move. Not a smart political move. Not a smart anything move. But it was the smartest move ever because it did the trick. It broke the power of sin and death. Again, we've got a desire to put a thumbnail-sized solution to an answer that God's got that's the sun, this time the S-O-N sun. He's a bigger answer, solves a whole lot more problems because he was prepared to make what some people would say was poor choice. Poor choices. His disciples said, this is a crazy idea. He said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You've got in mind the things of men, not of God. God had a bigger purpose in mind than any of them. And I'll put it to you, if we were there, we'd be the same kind of nitwit as Peter. We just, we need 
to have a moment where God's hugeness, God's bigness, his light shines in the dark recesses of our life. So number one this morning, what I say to you, we were created to exist in a universe built around light. You and I are not meant to stumble around the dark. We are not meant to stagger around floundering. We thrive in light and flounder in darkness. Jesus being the light can mean you and I overcome formless and empty lives. If your life doesn't make a lot of sense to you, if your sense of purpose is not crystal clear, go to the person who can make it crystal clear. Let the light level in your life lift. You know, if I asked uh, the boys back there, the guys, to just dim, dim the lights right now, they can do it. We've got the technology just to drop the light level down. And some of us don't know, because we don't know, without Jesus, we just think that's normal. Can you drop the light level down back there or not? Is it impossible? It's like, uh-uh, didn't cue that up with them. Well, here we go. You're, well, someone's lights are going down. See, if that's how you and I live, just leave them down. And, and we thought, this is just normal. And someone turns up and says, you... <laughs> You need light. What would it look like if the lights came on in your life? Maybe you've got a situation that this is normal light level. And then Jesus is invited into the situation because you've prayed about it or someone's been praying for you. Why don't we lift the lights up a little? Why don't we lift the lights up a little? <laughs> oh, there you are. And all of a sudden we become aware that, hey, I was sitting in subdued lighting. I couldn't see clearly, but now I can. That's what Jesus wants to do. He's the light of the world. He's the light of your world. He wants you and me to see the issues that we might be facing, the situations in our life, not dimly, but clearly, so that we can take faith steps to move either through, over, under, around, whatever. A faith step's a faith step. Just take one. It's a lot easier to take one when you can see that next step, even though the Bible does say that faith's about stepping out when you can't see. I get all that, but please just stick with my point. I think God wants us to actually invite the light in. So we're created and we thrive in light. Um, and we do everything on the planet pretty much, apart from some very strange creatures that live in the very depths of the ocean, um, actually need light. You and I need light. We need sunlight in our bodies, vitamin D, is something that people in parts of the world when the sun goes behind clouds for months at a time start to get deficient in vitamin D and they get all weird and loopy and they need a vitamin D shot. Well, just step out into the sun. We need it. Everything needs it. Trees need it. The atmosphere needs it. The planet needs it. I don't go to climate change, Bruce, please. Don't go there. It's like... Yep, we need light. Thank you, Jesus. So in Christ, we can see. We can see a future. We can see a hope. We can see opportunities. Get Jesus in your dark places and get ready to see. Number two, even though night and day didn't end in Genesis chapter three, proximity to light did. Now, let me just explain what I mean by that. There are some people who as in biblical scholars and others who are of the view that the tree of life, which was alongside the tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the Garden of Eden, 
was actually a reference to Jesus. And the tree of life was actually light, a very bright and light, light giving. It just emanated the presence of God, light, bright. The glory of God rested in that tree. And for whatever reason, Adam and Eve decided that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was more appealing. Maybe the other tree was too bright. I don't know what the deal is. But they chose the other. I wonder what... It talks about God walking with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. But I'm wondering whether the Garden of Eden was never actually in the dark. It might have been subdued light. On the way home from our trip to Canberra recently, whether we actually noticed, because of the time of the day, but we, we've driven across the road from Oyun back to the South Australian border many, many times, about a 100 kilometre stretch of road, I think it is. And there's a sign at the beginning of the road that indicating that's the Sunset National Park. I thought, that's a bit weird. Was it what it's called? Sunset National Park. Anyone help me with that? The Murray Sunset. No. No wonder you remember that, Murray. The Murray Lands Sunset National. I don't know, it might be Murray. Anyway, one of those nights, it was a beautiful, clear evening. And the sun went down. And then this um, twilight zone, like when the sun goes down here, it normally just you know, twilight, 10, 15 minutes, dark. We drove for over an hour in the twilight. It was just absolutely incredible. And it was shades of orange and red that there's not many places I'm thought, oh, maybe that's a phenomenon. I didn't actually look that up. But my point in it was that it was, it was dusk. And I'm wondering whether the light, the light of Jesus in the Garden of Eden permanently left it in either bright sunlight, like we experience in the middle of the day, and that at night... It actually didn't get dark. It was actually just still cyclical because that's the way the world is. I'm just trying to get my head around the mechanics of stuff. My point is that with God's presence in the garden, it couldn't have been dark, dark. But then they chose knowledge of good and evil and they got booted out of the garden and then they realised that there is such a thing as darkness. Banished from the tree of life. And we've been invited back to the tree of life, Jesus, who is the light of the world. He's invited us through faith to come to him. So darkness is part of the broken world we live in. Jesus is the light in the darkness. You and I are the light in the darkness. It says, Jesus says in Matthew that you are the light of the world. Talking to you, Aislinn, you're the light of the world. Talking to you, Julie, you're the light of the world. It's like, who, me? Yep, you. Yeah, you, Lockie. You're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men. It's like, you let, hang on, let your light shine. Doesn't he mean let my light shine? Well, I think he does, but it's his light in you. And in that sense, of the, it's something he gives you. So in that sense, it is your light. But it's him shining through us. So this is in 1 John 1 verses 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. And in him, there is no darkness at all. So I put my point to you, the Garden of Eden was never dark. Dusk maybe, but never dark. If we have claimed to have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. 
But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. How's that? Even to get along in church. It's not like going to the local um, community club and striking up friendships. Anybody been in a sports club that's been at war? Members walking out, sadly happens in church. And it shouldn't, but it does. My thought would be oftentimes because the shining light of Jesus has been put under a under a something. We get on and have fellowship because of him. Diverse as we are, as completely different in our opinions about all manner of things, we could have every reason to be squabbling about things we don't agree on. But church, the body of Christ, has this incredible fellowship capacity to it because of him. And he's calling us to walk in that light so that we can always get on. doesn't mean we don't disagree from time to time, but it means there's a way bigger end game in mind. Our disagreement's so pathetic compared to the calling to love each other, the calling to be able to embrace. At the end of a squabble, we'll be able to go, you know what, we may not agree, but we can actually still be not just friends, we can genuinely love each other. That message is not in the world. That message is not going to be found anywhere else except amongst the Christ followers and it's incumbent on us to carry that message out into the world. Amen? Amen. Let's be really good at it. My third point, final point is this. With Jesus, I not only walk in the light, I become the light. I've already alluded to that very briefly before. So as we walk with him, we gradually, and I'll mention this, are sanctified in steps, become those who can bring light into other people's dark places. Not to condemn, but to just switch on the light. Not to go in there with the wink finger wagon, with criticism. Just walk in with the light. Walk in with the love. Walk in with, man, it's going to be okay. But you don't know how complicated it is. You don't know how much a mess it is. I've got no idea how bad your situation is, but I know this, when I come into it, this is not to be arrogant, but my point in coming into you, your situation with you is to hopefully bring the light. Let Jesus shine his light in there. Let his name, which is power, break every stronghold. Let his name bring healing. Let his name bring life. That's how we do it. We don't have to go in. We sometimes have to preach. Sometimes we have to pray. Sometimes we do have to say, I'm not, such a, I'm not so sure that's a good idea. We've got to have that wisdom that Jason talked about in the mix as well. But at the end of the day, what we really need to bring into the situation is Jesus, the light of the world. So finishing up with these thoughts. Today, if you're brutally honest with yourself, let's just ponder these few questions to close. Am I walking in darkness in any area of my life? The only person who answered that question probably is you. Um, and again, I'm asking the question not for you to reveal that to me. I don't want to know about it. On, at one level, I don't. But at another level, I want you to understand that the message, this message is about inviting Jesus, the light, into that area of darkness, whatever that might be. So maybe you're uncertain. Maybe there's an area you're stumbling around in. Maybe there's an area of hurt or pain, physical, mental, spiritual. Maybe you're afraid of the future. Um, I've said this before to a few people who've listened to me in the last few weeks. I am convinced that 
we have a serious problem of people in positions of authority and power being influenced to put a narrative of extreme, and I say the word carefully, but extreme fear into everything that's said about the future. It really concerns me as a 64-year-old male. I'm at the end end of life, not the end of my life, but I'm at the end of life, end of life, compared to a five-year-old. And at one level, if I got nuked tomorrow and was vaporised, part of me goes, I could care less. I've had a great life. I'm so grateful for everything God's done. But if I was 10, 15, 20 years old, looking forward to living my life, what I really despise at the moment is the word I'd use, is the manipulation of people with fear. Fear is being used to control people. I mean, it always has been. It's not, a new, it's not a new phenomena, but it's just gone to another level. What do we do about that? Turn the lights on. Fear is about darkness. Jesus is about light. You and I aren't the answer ourselves, but he is. We just keep bringing hope to people. Say, look, I don't know how it's going to work out, but Jesus is in charge. God's not in heaven going, whoops, didn't see that coming. God's not going, oh, didn't, I didn't think they'd go down that road. He's seen it all from the start to the finish. In the middle of that is you and me going, Jesus. We want to get the team back. I want, to, I want to sing I Speak Jesus again to finish with. I want you walking out the door speaking Jesus this morning. Take Jesus, the light of the world, into your, into your week. And today, as we sing this song, maybe you might feel moved by a prompted by the Spirit to slip out of your seat and come and stand down the front this morning and confess to the Lord privately to yourself. I'm not going to come and talk to you. I don't need to. I mean, I'd like to, but I don't think I need to in this context of what I'm saying. But just come and bring an area that you're tripping over to God privately as a confession. Lord, as we sing this song, I want to speak Jesus, the name above every name, into that situation. Maybe it's something that's just had a hold of you for years and years and years and it's just an area that frustrates you at times. Why don't you let this song minister words that are helpful to you, but let Jesus, the object of the song, let Jesus come and speak his name into that situation. So why don't you stand to your feet and just come and move into this song.